Well, for Pierre Trudeau, it was a walk in the snow, most famously back in 1984. For John Horgan, the Premier of BC, when asked, he says it was a walk on the beach that led to his decision to step down. He announced today that he will be resigning as Premier of British Columbia and leader of the BC NDP when they choose a new leader. That will be coming up in the fall. He made the announcement today following a long stretch of speculation about his future. It was a decision driven mainly by health considerations, he said. Uh, The 62-year-old announced last November that he had been diagnosed with throat cancer. He says his health is good now. He is cancer-free, but his energy flags at time. He underwent 35 radiation treatments. Horgan says he's really not able to make another six-year commitment to the job. I'm not able to make another six-year commitment to this job. And as a result, I've asked Darren Schumahetza, the president of the BC NDP, uh, to work with our governing body, the provincial council and the executive, to select a date in, uh, in the fall for a leadership convention. This has been uh, the thrill of my life to be the Premier of British Columbia, and I will be the Premier of British Columbia tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. But not this fall. At nearly five years, he is the longest-serving provincial premier in the country right now, and one of the oldest at almost 63. Well, perhaps not unexpected, it is a seismic shift, not only for BC provincial politics, but for the NDP provincial government, currently the only one in power in this country. Horgan's ability to bring various factions of his party together and stay focused, avoid some of that famous infighting of the past, will be hard to replicate and even harder to replace. Well, joining me now is someone who's likely forgotten more about BC politics than most will ever know. Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Great to be here, Ben. So this was not a huge surprise, but uh, the impacts of it will be very big for the BC NDP and for BC politics in general, I would imagine. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise in that I think the consensus was growing that it was he was unlikely to seek re-election in 2024 because of his cancer situation. But I think a lot of people thought he'd hang on for another year um, before pulling the plug. But you're right, this is a, a ground-changing and game-changing move here. John Horgan, clearly the chief asset of the BC NDP government, uh, he's popular. Uh, he's more popular now than he was when he was first elected in 2017. And his, his popularity transcends party lines. Uh, you know, people who voted Liberal or, or Conservative Green uh, clearly support him as well. So the challenge for the NDP now is uh, can they continue on that same lofty course that they've been leading the polls for some time, an easy election win in 2020, and will the person who replaces him mirror John Horgan's, not only his policies, but his style? One of Horgan's strengths, I think, was to take a big step back from, from uh, as being premier, not running the show all the time, not sticking his nose in everybody's file, not being on TV every single night, unlike some premiers. Uh, it was never all about him. It was the most decentralized premier's office I've seen in all my years covering here, um, you know, just by... By definition, power is is usually centered in the corner office, whether it's the prime minister or the premier. And that wasn't so much the case with John Horgan. He really let others sort of uh, breathe and, and be the face of the government and not just him. But it's a, it's a potential big blow to the NDP because, again, he's the number one asset for them. Yeah, and, and, and in many ways, uh, watching him now, I mean, he only became more, and that's this is rare for a politician to become more popular as you lead. But in, in his case, that's exactly what happened. What do you think the secret was? You mentioned the decentralization. Also, there was just something about the way he is uh, that seemed to yep. be able to bridge some of the issues that the NDP had had in the past. Yeah, it's interesting. When he was in opposition, he was the opposition leader, and his nickname was Angry John. Uh, he was clearly frustrated 
Uh, he hated being opposition leader. He was sort of forced onto him because no one else wanted to do it. Uh, and he was the best they had. But he was really uh, angry, lashing out at people. Then comes the 2017 election, and it was just this transformation where he became turned from angry John to the happy warrior. And he really took uh, dove both feet or head first into the premier's job. And I've, I've remarked before, I've covered 10 premiers. I've never seen someone enjoy being premier as much as John Horgan did. He reveled in the public interaction in representing the government, actually doing things rather than criticizing opposition, but actually doing public policy that he'd been wanting to do for a long time. And as time went on, he just grew in the job. His, his confidence grew. His charisma started to emerge. His nickname was Premier Dad. He was sort of always out there giving advice to people, this sort of thing. And I think that really grew on people. It was a, it was a unique approach for a politician to sort of shed the ego while at the same time trying to become the everyman to everyone. He was very he had the common touch, and he continues to have the common touch. Uh, and again, that's that served him well as premier. I was going to say, for a lot of um, parties across the country looking how to do politics differently, you didn't have to agree with John Horgan's policies. You didn't have to vote for his party, as you mentioned earlier. There was just um, there's always been a way about him that people seem to enjoy, and it could be a lesson to lots of other leaders out there looking. I mean, we have a leadership race going on in a very similar one going on in Alberta. There's a federal conservative leadership race going on. There's a lot of leadership positions out there, and some might look to John Horgan to figure out what it, what some of that that magic formula might be. Oh, I think that's a very good point. I think politicians would be well served uh, to look at the royal jelly that uh, John Horgan has possessed for all the number of years in power, five years in power, that he didn't have when he was in opposition. And again, it, wasn't, it was, wasn't taking rigid positions and refusing to admit that maybe you're wrong. Uh, it wasn't being uh, ideological. It was being sort of common sense and pragmatic and willing to um, say no to even people who you, you maybe count on as your, as your supporters, trying to strike that, that balance, that middle ground. And as a result, he kept his party together and is very unified. And that's another challenge to whoever succeed. Um, uh, the NDP, like any other parties, are basically a coalition of interests. Can whoever succeed, Horgan, continue to ensure that a large chunk of the environmental movement is still within the NDP, along with organized labor and with the business community? It's a challenge to keep everyone together. And Horgan was able to pull that off for five years, largely through his own personal death style and his personal likability. Um, he's a likable guy, uh, certainly when he was premier. When he was opposition leader, when he was frustrated, not so much. But uh, as premier, he's, um, it's really turned over a new leaf. Yeah, I remember that was supposed to be his Achilles heel was his short fuse, his yeah. bad temper, as you mentioned, Angry John, and he certainly turned into sort of barbecue dad. That was kind of his <laughs> uh, his persona. What happens now? Because obviously when a party is plunged into a leadership race, I mean, they try their best to stay united, to put on a united front, but uh, a lot of the battles start pretty fast when, when, the, when the job is suddenly open for the taking. It does, although we are headed into the summer months. Uh, we're coming out of a pandemic where people haven't really done anything for a long time. I think, I think a lot of stuff might be put on hold because I think a lot of people who normally get really active in leadership races may want to go traveling this summer, may want to do something other than you know sitting in their in their home. I think this is going to begin in earnest after Labor Day. Uh, and it'll begin in earnest when the party sets a date, because then you've got the clock is ticking. You can see how much work needs to be done. It's all about signing party memberships up. That's tougher to do in the summer, I think, when people may be away than in the in the fall and the winter. I expect the vote to come probably sometime late October, early November. And that gives candidates the time, you know, two or three months to organize when the kids go back to school and people get back to normal activities. So, And Horgan's going to remain premier until then. So not a lot's going to change overnight. 
Um, I think when we get into the fall, we're going to see um, we're going to see more action and activity when it comes to um, the race and the people actually entering it. Yeah. Any uh, for listeners out there? Any early favorites uh, on your list? Well, it's good. again, it's all about signups, and I'm not sure. I haven't talked to any of these guys about specifically about running, but the Attorney General David Eby certainly has had leadership aspirations in the past. He's got a young family, though, so who knows whether that changes everything. Uh, Robbie Kalon, who's this up and coming star in uh, the, the party, former party worker, now the jobs minister, um, is, has to be considered. Uh, we've got a suburban mayor in Metro Vancouver, Brad West in Port Coquitlam, who's sort of made a name for himself at the municipal level and might make the jump into into party politics. Uh, Josie Osborne, who's a rookie MLA, but she had been the mayor of Tofino on the west coast of Vancouver Island. She's now a cabinet minister with an environmental portfolio. I've heard her name kicked around quite a bit by people in caucus and the bureaucracy who are quite impressed by her. And Bowen Ma, who's a young up-and-coming MLA on the north shore of Vancouver, uh, seems to be fairly ambitious. So those are the the five names I showed on Global uh, tonight. I'm sure there'll be others out there. I don't expect to be a huge crowded field, but five or six candidates seems about right. And it's going to be interesting. The NDP is very committed to something that really helped get them elected, not only in 2017, but particularly in 2020. And that was really... um, coming up with a, a, a caucus of, and field of candidates and members who really reflect the diversity of the community. And that means a, a gender equity mix, more um, ethnic diversity communities represented as well. And I think that's going to be reflected in the leadership race as well. Yeah, we certainly heard John Horgan today talk about passing the baton to a new generation, at least and a lot of the people that you've mentioned are uh, all, all, all in their 40s. Uh, I believe most yep. of the candidates you mentioned are in their 40s. Coming up, listen, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk a bit about something else that happened today. In fact, John Horgan referenced it right at the beginning of his press conference before he announced that he was leaving. And that was an incident uh, in Victoria, outside of Victoria, uh, that happened today. We'll get to that after this. Multiple officers responded to the scene and encountered the armed suspects who fired at police. Two suspects who were shot by police died at the scene. Six GVERT officers suffered gunshot wounds and were transported to hospital. That is Saanich Police Chief Dean Duffy. Saanich is part of Greater Victoria. Victoria often seen, known as being a quiet place, anything but today in Saanich, where two suspects were killed, bank robbery suspects. Six, six members of the Greater Victoria Emergency Response Team are in hospital following an exchange of gunfire at that Bank of Montreal branch in Saanich today. Here's eyewitness video of the scene. You can hear just how chaotic it was. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. We are witnessing a... F- Well, let me bring back in Global's BC Legislative Bureau Bureau Chief Keith Baldry. Uh, As a longtime Victoria resident, uh, that's just the kind of thing you never see here. You never hear here. Absolutely shocking that that would take place in quiet Victoria. Now, we have seen a rise in some street crime, but in the downtown core primarily, this is just a little outside downtown. Uh, and you don't see bank robberies uh, anymore these days, but um, no, this is absolutely shocking. And it sort of had a special role at the legislature because the Sandwich and Victoria police officers basically, uh, the security officers at the BC legislature, by and large, reti- retired or former uh, police officers in Sandwich and Victoria. And today I spent much of the day covering John Horgan's, you know, um, 
news conference, which was big in, in itself, and then at the same time running around talking to sec- uh, sec- security officers at the ledge, and they're talking to me. Everybody frantic to know what's going on with them. Everybody at the ledge, many people at the ledge, knew the six officers who were shot. In fact, that emergency response team trains right outside my door at the BC legislature. I'm in the armory building, and they use the floor behind me um, on my level. They have to walk through my door and fully armed as they do training exercises. So, um, yeah, this is uh, they had a big presence at the BC legislature. So you could argue at the legislature today, the Horgan announcement was huge, but that shooting of six police officers was, for many people, a much bigger story at the legislature. Yeah. Very little in the way of detail, yet we know that three of the officers were Vic PD, Victoria Police, three of them Saanich Police, that Greater Victoria Emergency Response Unit is a combined unit. Yep. Uh, we also, in this province, of course, when anything like that happens, the IIO, the uh, investigative, uh, the police that investigate police uh, come in, or at least investigate police actions, will come in and have a look. Uh, but yeah, lots of questions still, I guess, lots of questions about what could have happened. And uh, luckily, we know that as far as we could tell, no one else was hurt, no bystanders, no bank customers, no, no bank staff. No, no other. There were persons were hurt initially. I mean, it was chaos at the beginning. There were all sorts of reports. There were multi uh, number of casualties that went beyond police. That wasn't the case. Six officers were shot. At least one of them, though, is in critical condition and undergoing surgery. So that's a very a source of concern. Um, and when, again, that's that's a touch and go situation. So we'll get an update on that tomorrow. And let's hope the officer pulls through. But I, Ben, I don't know about you. I cannot remember an incident in Canada where six police officers were shot. Um, hopefully there are no fatalities here, but just six people being shot is extraordinary. That just, it just does not happen. No, and this happened, I mean, Tuesday at 11 a.m. This was a broad daylight affair. So, you know, obviously... And apparently, um, again, we're still trying to put the pieces together here, very heavily armed individuals. These weren't uh, handguns. These were assault weapons. Um, and also, uh, I'm not sure what the status is. They, there was, we signed up for a newscast tonight. The bomb disposal unit was on its way out there because there was a, a suspicion that there was a bomb or some sort of explosive device in one of the bad guy's vehicles. I'm not sure how that was resolved. Yeah, I think we're going to find out more. Part of that area is still shut down. I know that the mm-hmm. search for a third suspect was yeah, called continue. off, as always in this case. Uh, that was actually ended, I believe, just uh, just a little bit earlier. I don't think there was a third suspect. That often happens in these cases. Yeah. Uh, just just from a standpoint, I mean, I know that the uh, public safety minister was out with some with some statements tonight regarding uh, the officers. Of course, uh, you know, thoughts with them and their families tonight. And also, just from a procedural perspective, what happens generally now when these sorts of incidents take place? I know this is unprecedented, but we've seen other incidents involving involving police in, before well you mentioned the yellow the independent office they'll come in now it was involved a police shooting i mean they did shoot the two bad guys here so there's going to be an external independent investigation i expect another also potentially another police force will be in, involved here for further uh investigations um but again this is an extraordinary and unprecedented situation so there'll be a number of investigations not the least of which will be about the bank robbery itself but also focusing on police conduct and, um, and again, live and learn. What did they learn from this incident that can be avoided in the, in the future? A similar incident hopefully would not see a repeat of six officers being shot. No, and it certainly calls into questions. That, again, you mentioned uh, this is just not the kind of gun crime we see often in this in this in any part of the country, let alone you know, Vancouver Island. It brought back memories, and this was a long time ago. I remember, Stephen Reed was an author and a former leader of what was called the Stopwatch Gang, which got some notoriety for its bank robbers. Bank robberies using a stopwatch and getting away with it. He was in prison. He got out. Uh, he wrote a book about his imprisonment. 
And then one day the BC legislature suddenly heard just all these police sirens. You don't hear police sirens that much. You hear ambulances, but not police sirens. Racing around the legislature, a car came flying by my window here in the back, shooting out windows with a shotgun, uh, followed by police who, they were these were bank robbers, holed up in a home in nearby James Bay, just the neighborhood we're in here, for the rest of the day. So that was the last sort of um, notable incident of this. Now, nobody was killed then, thank goodness, uh, or even, I think there was one person shot, but this was, this memories of that particular uh, high-speed police chase in a bank robbery because again you don't see these things happen in victoria it's more crimes that are more uh, we've had some pretty high profile crimes here involving young people but bank robberies and police shootouts that just doesn't happen here no keith thanks so much for your time tonight Anytime. and of course our, our our best to the officers at the ledge too uh thinking about their friends global bc's legislature bureau chief uh, keith baldry there talking about uh, john horgan's resignation today and this shootout uh this incident at a bank outside of victoria involving police uh six people injured two gunmen uh, alleged bank robbers killed uh at least a few police officers still in hospital tonight in serious condition our thoughts of course are with them and their families after they've run and clearly ran into the line of fire uh to try to protect people in that area